Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Mahila Collective where we explore changing times and our revolving selves as ziddi feminist types. I'm your host Shruti. Today's episode is about all things carnal from sex positivity to our ideas around erotica and porn. The three of us got down to discussing about our earlier experiences with porn and how our ideas around sex positivity have evolved over the years as feminists. However, we realized that growing up together in the most pivotal years of our early adulthood, our sensibilities evolved in almost the same way, and so we thought to bring in a fresh perspective to this conversation. We also felt we still have a long way to go to understand the nuances this topic entails and how these ideas have evolved through the history and culture. So for this very special episode, we've managed to rope in an expert who's going to help us learn more about this. And so today we have with us Divyani. Hi Divyani, welcome to the Mahila Collective. We're so happy to have you with us today. Hello, hi Shruti. Great to be here. Hi. So, for our audience, uh, Divyani is a student. Uh, was a student in English literature from LSA. She did her masters in media and cultural studies from the Tata Institute in, of Social Sciences, Mumbai, and her dissertation work focused on female pleasure in agency through erotica. Welcome again, Divyani. It's great to have you with us today, and we've been looking forward to this for so long. Yeah, it's great. It's so great to be here. Like, I think I'm also pretty hyped up for this. So, yeah, amazing, amazing. So, um, let's dive right in. And so, I want to know from you, what had been mm-hmm. your first introduction to porn and sex, and how did you navigate it as a young adult or teenager? Right. Um. So, I think uh, my first experience uh to sexually explicit material. uh would be uh, in the form of uh, erotic romance novels that are extremely popular so uh, um i'm i'm not very proud of it when i say this that uh, my first uh, erotic romance was 50 shades of grey if it if you consider that an erotic romance yeah and i think i was I must have been like in class 9 or 10th and obviously it was like a huge thing at that point of time to be reading this was like a totally taboo subject and i couldn't read it at home i couldn't read it in school so it was very like it was also sort of uh, transgressive in a way ke hmm. matlab this is something that you're not supposed to do and you still find some sort of convoluted joy in doing it hmm. so yeah i used to mostly read it in school and uh, sort of read it between classes and then it it was always this thing ke ghar pe nahi pata padna chahiye ya it shouldn't be sort of you know like my parents shouldn't find out what i'm reading although mm. even uh, even though my parents always encouraged me reading but obviously they didn't like i, I don't think they were fully aware to the extent of which i was <laughs> so yeah uh, that was my introduction uh, to sexually explicit material yeah Mm, that's great. I think even I read Fifty Shades very young, and I remember in our school people used to wrap it up in newspaper so that nobody can see the cover of the book when you're reading it in the bus or the school. And also, like before Fifty Shades, there was the Breaking Dawn, 
which was again mm-hmm. something like one of the very first books i think uh, for a lot of young children like the first uh, introduction um before porn was through erotic not even erotic like even if you see all those you know stupid chetan bhagat novels that you used to read in class 6 mm-hmm. people used to right. refer to that one page number this you know go read that page number yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think that was common practice among the students because i think i've also experienced <laughs> some of that but yeah i was very but uh, i think one of the things was i was always questioning whether i'm supposed to be reading this i've always felt uh, there was always a guilt attached to the reading even though i read it but then i was like am i betraying my family am i sort of um, you know am i a bad child for right. you know wanting to read these texts so i think there was always some amount of guilt attached and then i i always wondered if other people uh, also read it or other people found, like yeah. had same had similar feelings about uh, consuming this kind of material so yeah um but hmm. i was glad to have found a couple of friends who shared similar sort of uh, ideas hmm. and uh, who did not shame me sort of for reading um, these sort of things so i think i was fortunate enough to have found like like minded set of friends but i don't think yeah. everybody gets to have that kind of support yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. yeah so uh while we're on the subject of erotica uh do you believe that women consume porn and uh this differently from men like there is obviously a notion that women don't watch porn at all and so like personally i had never been a fan of it um, even as a young adult i used to find it too graphic and so like you said you know novels or probably some intimate scenes in some movies that were uh, uh, something that i would refer to so um what are your thoughts here um so uh, you actually um, like echo the major feeling of like a good majority of women that i interviewed for my research who said that um, uh, porn were so erotica was far more palatable for them and porn was sort of extremely graphic and extremely sort of say violent and mm-hmm. um, and they felt that it was very degrading as yeah. such for them to watch uh, and uh, i feel like this is uh, something that some research has been done on but i also think there needs to there needs to be more research that needs to go into this because as such there is no marker of uh, saying that uh, w- women don't like porn and women like erotica mm-hmm. or sort of uh, saying that men like porn and men don't like erotica it's i think uh, this is sort of uh, i i could say it's a, it's a bit of a stereotype because uh, women are traditionally sort of uh, thought of to focus more on the emotional on the romantic and the erotic has this aspect porn is very body oriented so it has a lot of sort of physical activity and not as much an emotional aspect so i think uh, that is one reason why um, you know sort of uh, women are considered to be leaning towards erotica the other thing also is um, i feel like there should be uh, there isn't enough representative porn to like sort of so it's a, a lot of porn is obviously targeted towards the male gaze the bodies are shown in a specific light uh, mm-hmm. the 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 woman's body and the woman's appearance is and i'm talking about heteronormative porn here obviously right. uh, that it is uh, very directed to appease the male viewer so um, yeah i think that is something that i would like to point out uh but then again uh, porn isn't good or bad in itself so 
there needs to be a crit- critique of sexist porn and there needs to be a critique of uh, sort of how uh, we make porn and how we show women's bo- uh, like not just women's bodies but like men's reaction to them and mm. that we make it more realistic more than sort of mm. uh, an imagined thing so right. it, it is important uh, but then but then again that said it is also important to not be uh, to you know not be anti porn because hmm. porn like erotica like so there's a very it's not a watertight genre so there is a very thin line between the two and in most cases there's no line at all and, uh yeah i think we just need more queer porn more feminist porn and okay. i mean we can obviously speak more about how we can achieve feminist porn there are so many ways in which we could approach that question yeah but yeah uh, like changing the kind of porn is made the, the kind of porn that is made is extremely important right that was what i was going to come up uh, with next like how women uh, like we navigate it so like we said no you mentioned something about women being more emotional so they're more into uh, uh, like porn which is more artistically made let's say like which has soft lighting and there's a little more kissing and all of that but then again um, is it does it have uh, like what kind of porn you uh, initially um, exposed to i like does that also play a role uh, so uh, like we very famously say you know that there is soft porn and then there is hardcore porn and women like mm. the former and so you have mm. these uh, new websites that are coming up which specifically cater to that again very few right. so right. yeah um i think then again it's completely a matter of personal taste and personal choice like um so uh i think it's only through experimentation and through watching stuff and reading stuff that we figure out and obviously like experimenting with our own sexuality experimenting with a partner or experimenting solo so very i don't think it's like it it would do it justice to say ki matlab because you're a woman so a uh, certain kind of fun won't turn you on so i think yes. this was also a part of my dissertation where uh like women talk about how they feel extremely guilty so women who identify as feminists feel extremely guilty for being turned on by very like raunchy porn and very porn that would be considered like they would sort of mm. be judged for consuming so i think it's extremely important to understand that porn is um sort of playing out of a role so when so like erotica like characters in a erotica characters in a porn in a pornographic film are also acting out roles they now the equation may be problematic so the the role they may be they 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 are playing out might be problematic but it is important to understand that it is a role they are acting out a fantasy it is not real life so if a woman uh agrees to being submissive uh in bed it does not equate to her being submissive in real life so i think this uh, a sentiment that was echoed throughout uh my dissertation throughout participants across sort of social locations that yeah. uh my sexual desire or who what i desire is only a part of who i am it is not the entirety of who i am so i don't want to be raped or battered or bruised just because i want to you know Uh, submit hmm. during sexual act. Yeah, before we explore uh, this more, uh, I wanted to go back and um, 
ask you uh, in your opinion uh, what does what role does porn play in shaping our initial ideas around sex and intimacy like especially for young children and boys uh, in particular like who are exposed to graphic and violent and, and also in a culture where we do not have access to proper sex education and so that is their primary source of sex education so yeah so um yeah you're right i mean there is an absence of comprehensive sex education in india. and i mean globally yes but especially in india where uh, people do not even want to speak about the topic uh, you know not even after the uh, after their child is an adult not even that it's not it's never okay to discuss that outside of a familial framework or outside of a prescribed framework so to say so that is one thing and then it, so abstinence based uh training so if you tell children that no you you're not supposed to do this you're not supposed to have that so that's what that's what is told to like so many children across the country and that's what was told to me i mean it it's, it's never explicitly told it's just you know it's implied. the thing that it's a it's it's, it's implied yeah mm-hmm. that you're not supposed to do this but then it it has been proven time and again through research that it is not that, that abstinence based you know education does not work if you tell children don't do this it's like it's very likely that they will go and do exactly that maybe in a more dangerous way so it's better mm-hmm. that you know you tell children that okay it's okay if you do this and it's okay to you know uh, do it in a responsible way so i think yeah and because it there, there is so there is such absence of this kind of you know a mindset okay. uh guys i have known have uh, told me like very explicitly that uh, they they were introduced to porn by their peers in the absence of you know like a safe space and they were probably exposed to uh, porn that was uh, degrading that uh, endorsed sort of a very unrealistic expectations of uh, sex sex and sexuality and how it was going to look like mm-hmm. and probably told them that it was okay to okay to have unprotected sex maybe it was okay to sort of uh, go on uh, you know go go further ahead uh, in a sec- in in a in a period of sexual activity even if the woman resists or even if she says no so obviously there are a lot of issues that are not addressed in porn which is that can be addressed as part of comprehensive sex education which is like consent and mutual respect in relationships and and all of that yeah. so i think and that also forms the basis of the critique of a lot of uh, feminist critique of porn yeah. where they say that uh, it endorses the uh, it endorses sort of uh, inhumaneness against women and violence against women and uh, so there there's a certain critic who i i'm forgetting the name but uh, he went as far as to say that uh, porn is the theory and rape is the practice i mean uh, even we see that in the society that the discourse around porn and sex it has like two distinct sides one is that it's so unethical especially porn and the porn industry that it's so mm-hmm. unethical and and an evil in the society and everyone in the profession needs to be like quote unquote saved from it and the other is that uh, which is like a little more recent is that it's like just in the other profession and what we should actually do is rally for systems and safeguards that protect the people who are uh, who choose to enter to that profession mm-hmm. uh, so uh, you mentioned something about the feminist critique so uh i believe it that it has evolved over the years over the past few decades so yeah how how is, has this journey been uh so as part of my research i looked at sort of uh, traced the 
thing the the criticism that i just spoke about mainly came from second wave feminists some of them uh, if i can drop some names uh, they are andrea dawkin katherine mckinnon so all these are like second wave feminists so uh, yeah so i think uh, there needs to be more nuance when we look at sort of you know uh, porn in this way and instead of uh, shaming people who consume porn and shaming people who produce porn i think it's very important to acknowledge that it's okay to you know uh engage in our sexuality it's so you yeah. you know that this, this is problematic you know that that you advocate but also know that what is what stands with your politics and what is not there are so many ethical pornographers there are so many feminist pornographers trying to uh, come to a more holistic representation of what constitute constitutes as female sexuality because it has been grossly grossly underrepresented for so many decades and uh, there's one more thing i i think uh, that so the feminist movement really urges women to take control of their own bodies because their bodies have been controlled and surveilled for like decades and centuries so really urges them to take control and you know um do what they please and you know um move into public spaces move into spaces that they are not allowed to occupy before and move out of the familial frameworks and the frameworks that are prescribed for them ki ghar ke bahar nahi jana hai sirf ghar mein rehna hai and all of that mm. so it's also important to acknowledge that uh so when they when they say all of that and when they say that oh porn is bad they i think what they fail to acknowledge is that women might also take pleasure in pornography and that is not something that you can say ki acha tumko like you have stockholm syndrome like you you're just like attracted to your captors or you know you're just like attracted to your oppressor i think that's a very simplistic way to put it you can't just generalize and say that pe- women who like porn are problematic or are not feminist enough so i think mm-hmm. this judge this this judgment should be sort of like done away with So mm-hmm. I think it's important to acknowledge that women might take pleasure in pornography. It, I mean, I have an interesting, uh, like, um, so uh, in the uh, spaces that we exist right now, this idea is like really far in the future for now, like women being accepting of what really works for them. Um, right. Uh, so, uh, like, what comes to my mind is, let's say we were talking about Fifty Shades of Grey and how it, mm-hmm. like, it was such a like it did start like a movement right so people were coming right. out they were talking about different like but my point is that uh, i think what's important here is consent if i'm not wrong right if if right. you say that women enjoy can enjoy things that turn them on but th- i think the obvious thing is your consent which people fail to recognize and so when uh, movies get made or books get written or when boys see it they forget that part and they only focus in another oh take she is that kind of a girl who likes getting spanked okay and so you get put in that box uh, do you see where i'm going with this yeah yeah absolutely oh absolutely you're absolutely correct i mean uh, consent is something that has been missing from erotic yeah. uh, from like mainstream uh, porn and erotica since a lot of time and i think hmm. and then again it's important to acknowledge that um, there there are certain practices like safe word practices that come into play when we uh, talk about bdsm so there's a safe word and if the if your partner says the safe word then you stop no matter what so that is one thing mm-hmm. and i don't think that's depicted seriously enough in like right. mainstream sort of sexually explicit materials the other thing is also like you said that 50 shades of gray has sort of and all these like but mm-hmm. what it what is interesting and why i think women like people and especially women are drawn to it 
Mm. It's because for the first time, I mean, not for the first time, but uh, it's one of the few instances where emphasis is being placed on female sexuality. Right. Where the the woman is being like is taking Service pleasure in the process. <laughs> yeah yeah the the woman the woman is being serviced and mm. the woman's desires are being acknowledged so mm. and it's not just about you know the man and what he wants and what he does it's also about the woman and what she wants and and she communicates it to her partner and then that's what happens so i think this is one of the reasons why it's so big today like even especially with women it is even though it's extremely sexist even though yeah. it's extremely problematic it's Yeah. I mean uh when we talk about books it also takes me back to all those mills and bones which were like really famous and still continue to be famous and that it was all, it was all the same story there was the sweet virginal girl who did not know like yeah. for some reason in her mid 20s she was like very innocent mm-hmm. pure and pious and then this hunk comes in and he he changes his life so even when like it's the same with 50 shades right even when like the uh, focus is on the girl it's about you know introducing her to this oh this introducing her to this life and changing her and then even after that the girl even after all her needs are met she wants to like get married and settle down and that has always been the conflict of the story that mm-hmm. the boy refuses to give her what she wants right so i think that idea also that um i think we uh, we talked about it before also that uh, that it instills in girls that if if uh, sex does not follow commitment then that something has been taken from you right yeah, so yeah. we've been fed with ideas like uh, don't uh, don't sleep with somebody on the first date or lying about your virginity or something the body count lying about that and right. all of that right so uh, these ideas like continue and not just in india i think even the american pop culture we see that around yeah. there as well yeah no it's true like um, like women have been classified into like binaries and boxes like since mm. as long as you know you can so you were either a virgin or you were a whore there was no 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 middle no middle grounds and that is very true i think right now so like i feel like it's not like a lot i mean surely some things have changed but i don't feel a lot has changed in respect to the like the virgin and whore now it's just sexual adventures are excused as long as there's romance involved so if yeah. you're in love with the person then it's excused then it's fine but if you're not but if you're sleeping around just for the heck of it or if you're just like you know you have multiple partners or you're polyamorous or whatever it is what if it's not mono- monogamous heteropatriarchal love then it's or it's not monogamous monogamous heteropatriarchal sex then it's not sort of acceptable mm-hmm. so what i think this does is it just like rules out an entire section of people who just feel that their desires are invalid or to actually give a pop culture reference so this is not my reference okay. this is this actually one of my interview participants said when i was speaking to them and i found this very interesting so mm-hmm. she said in the movie cocktail if you remember there was this uh, the, the, there was meera and there was what was her name veronica, veronica. <laughs> even the names like it's so stereotypical like meera is this good indian woman who prays every day and does your laundry and watch wash your kachcha bani and this veronica is this party animal and she's just like you know she's veronica she's western she's modernized like mm-hmm. quote unquote modernized and she will like party and sleep around but eventually both of them are in quest or in quest for love so i so and that man eventually will choose the the good girl yeah yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely she he will choose a good girl because so i think these tropes play out aaj bhi and yeah. uh, it plays out in pop culture it plays out in erotica it plays out in pornography and i think it's and uh, the other side to this of course is the trope where like 
say in FOMO shots or in like mm-hmm. a lot of like so the liberated woman trope is if you want to show a liberated woman show her smoking show her drinking show show her sleeping around yeah. like have these very one dimensional characters and like these very one dimensional voices and I don't think it encompasses the complexity of their characters I think that's important Fem- female sexuality has been pathologized ke matlab mm-hmm. uh, if you if you, like being sexual and, and being female mm-hmm. are looked as being like ke bilkul these cannot stand together for a good indian woman like even if mm-hmm. you are like if you're a good daughter you go out you make your career like ki theek hai tum jao tum padho tum sab kuch karo but mm-hmm. don't do anything which brings shame to us which is basically don't mm-hmm. engage in sexual activity that transgresses our like mm-hmm. societal and parental frameworks so right. that is something that it's always been pathologized that way that it's seen as something that is so that's why all these like and the, then again these honor killings and everything is related because female sexuality mm-hmm. threatens structures it threatens the basic frameworks of the society ke agar if she does not marry in her own caste if she does not marry in her own class mm-hmm. then we then because it's always linked to shame so a a, mm-hmm. a, a woman's vagina a woman's sexuality is always linked to the family's honor ke matlab and it's it's extremely bizarre but that's just how it is um actually this uh, is reminding me that uh, like when uh, people who are in the porn industry they do face a lot of criticism for mm-hmm. let's say um selling their body commodifying it and whatever right. and so um people like there there've been some statements which say that uh, when it's okay for you to model it's okay for you to sell your face so why isn't it okay for it's okay for you to sell your brains but why isn't it okay for me to make money of something you know of my body mm-hmm. so um, mm-hmm. interestingly so um when only fans came up so people were really happy about it because that allowed uh, uh, people in the porn industry to actually directly benefit from people who want to consume their um, content right. right so right. yeah yeah i mean that's it's very interesting you point that out because um, only fans has recently re- released a statement saying that it will ban you know sexual hmm. content on its platform and it's very bizarre because i think that's one of the it's one of the few reasons it actually gained such a boom in the first place yeah it blew up in the first place because of that and uh, i think it just takes away the right for so many sort of women uh, to sort of uh, who 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 want to uh, empower, sort of uh, women who want to um, make money out of their bodies and i'm not saying that like i mean it sounds like such a bad statement when i say yeah. it right? like like hmm. a woman wanting to make money from her body but it's really not like if you hmm. can make money out of your intellect then then it's completely uh, acceptable for you to do the same with your body and if you're if, if you feel empowered doing this then hmm. then i think I, i don't think anybody should have a problem with it but I, but obviously that's not the case um in your thesis uh, you explore uh, sexual desire in kinks and how they can be navigated uh tell us more about that um so yeah so actually um, a, like one chapter of my uh, dissertation was called, so this was a memoir that one of my participants mentioned that they had read online so it was uh, i think if i'm not wrong uh, it was a memoir by tony bentley and uh, uh so what she writes in the memoir is her uh, so for the longest time she said she was very satisfied with uh penetrative vaginal sex so she said they just did not work for her and then she found that uh, anal sex actually works better for her so she wrote so she in her memoir she writes about how she experimented with 
you know multiple so she was obviously polyamorous she could like she wasn't monogamous mm-hmm. so she she sort of uh experimented with multiple uh people identifying as men and then uh, her, her experience so um one of the uh, sort of uh i think one of the phrases that she mentioned was that um so i'm just paraphrasing it hmm. is that uh, so she says that vaginal sex is very heteronormative it's it's the kind of sex that is used for procreation it produces babies which is like which is the which is supposedly the sole function of sex according to conservatives and according to the familial structure so hmm. so actually it's not transgressive what is transgressive is uh other sexual act- activities other than vaginal sex so which for her is anal sex so she says that uh, in one of her it's it's very candid she says vaginas make babies but asses make art so i think that was very sort of it's very like the line is so powerful i feel it's true that uh, you know so kink is not something that you can uh, so uh, it's it's not something that you can find out in one day ki matlab acha mujhe ye pasand hai aur ye pasand nahi hai it's not as simple as that i think you need to experiment a lot so another one so I'm, i'm sorry i'm quoting so many critics but i think i've read like i've i've, I've read incredible women say incredible things about their their sexual experience so it's always nice to yeah yeah talk about that so there's this uh, there's, there's a feminist writer so i think she was writing in the 70s her name is amber hollybaw so she says that um, that theek hai you say you tell me that okay that kink is sort of political so you desire what you desire because of certain factors so maybe you like to be spanked because so it's very generalizing it it says you, maybe you like to be spanked because you have daddy issues so it's a very it has like it's simplistic as saying that so she says if you say that my desire is channeled that it is constructed takes away for me the right to feel what i feel in my own body um sorry to interrupt yeah. but um yeah. do you believe that power also plays a role here so um like a man uh, says that okay this works for me and this is what i want and like mm-hmm. uh, the women is not comfortable with it let's say so um mm-hmm. I, i mean we do assume like in uh, in all sexual acts there is a power dynamic that comes in place so a person who is in a position of power um mm-hmm. is it okay for them to like assert that this is what i want and this is what i need And oh, like, oh, absolutely not! I don't think it's uh, ever it it will ever it it's ever ethical to place one partner's needs over the relationship needs. So and 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 I think it is important to acknowledge that in a lot of relationships, this there is a power dynamic, and it does play a role in what the couple or you know people or those the the group of people, uh, what kind of sexual activities they access or. they they don't also yeah there is there is a power dynamic and it needs to be addressed that's why it's important to first of all be real with yourself say ke acha theek hai these are my boundaries so this is to what extent i can go and iske aage and it's also important to communicate to your partner or partners that this is the extent to which i'm willing to go and beyond this i'm not i'm, I'm really not comfortable so like i feel like consistent so and then this is also not so boundaries are also not rigid boundaries are also fluid one mm. day you might be okay with certain things one day you might might be okay with certain sexual activities but the other day you might not and then the day after you might just be so i think it's and also with the partner different. also no like with some somebody you may be comfortable and the other person you might not of course of course it depends yeah. on person to person because different mm. people make you feel different things so if you feel safer with say person x and if you don't feel that safe with person y so it's completely okay to keep assessing your sort of needs and what you want and your boundaries on a regular basis 
and it's also a good idea to not shame yourself for anything that you're not able to do because uh, all our bodies function differently and uh, being sort of turned on by something or turned off by something is completely individual so it's important to acknowledge that and like i said it's very important to periodically assess what you're okay with what you're not okay with and make it like so so your boundaries are not shouldn't be breached but then again boundaries are also fluid uh, so that's why i i i'm emphasizing upon all of this being part of uh, the kind of sexually explicit material that we consume you know actually show uh, that it's important to stop when your partner says no and that constant like the consent is fluid even consent is not ke agar once if she gives you consent to like do it once it's also mm-hmm. important to ask for consent multiple mm-hmm. times during the act mm-hmm. yeah and, and and not just from act to act multiple times during that so you 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 should keep checking in and stuff like that yeah yeah um you talked about shame and so this very interesting thing i remember so uh, mm-hmm. i was talking to this friend and he talked about the show uh, made in heaven and so that was like particularly mm-hmm. like one of the very first shows that uh, show uh, showed a uh, gay sex on like um, on the screen mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. one of my friends said that he was quite uncomfortable when he saw it and so i i asked like why why were you uncomfortable and he's like because um since i don't engage in that act so i didn't find it uh, very appealing so i'm like i'm pretty sure that you do watch lesbian porn and you are not nowhere in that so how is that that you find palatable but not the gay part and uh, so um i did not get an answer for that and so that right. also reminds me from another uh, part where a lot of women have said to me that they're afraid not afraid but little ashamed that they like lesbian sex because they then mm-hmm. that makes them question their own sexuality that if uh, because um, for many people they've not been able to experience beyond the heteronormative so um, so i think um, for straight people like when they see acts um, queer acts mm-hmm. that's also something which is very um it's just fetishized i feel yeah. a lot of it is fetishized and right. it, it's uncomfortable to watch because obviously you're conditioned in a way hmm. that only certain forms of uh, sexual activity are considered as regular and other forms are not hmm. so i think conditioning plays a huge part which again uh, is why comprehensive sex education is very very important to uh, make children understand from a young age that gender is not like binary gender is not even a spectrum gender is like a sphere spectrum suggests ki do male or female linear. are like the, yeah hmm. it's linear and male and female are like the perfect ends or agar beach but a sphere suggests that there are no ends you can literally be anywhere on the globe so i think that's hmm. one thing that's important to ch- tell children from the time you know they are they are old enough to comprehend these concepts i think that is extremely powerful um i do believe that when we talk about porn being inclusive of all genders sexuality and race uh, it is important that we discuss uh, ethical porn um how would you describe it and its role in shaping the culture around sexually explicit content and um, sex positivity in general right so um this i think uh, i read this book uh, i mean it, it's it's actually a collection of essays so I, i i read it for my dissertation and i would like strongly strongly suggest that uh, uh sort of collection of essays so it's called the feminist porn book and it's by uh, a override like i think it's about it's by four uh, authors like who co sort of co-edited the, uh, so co-edited the book mm-hmm. uh, but it's like so it constitute constitutes of essays from 
porn workers and people who are, who say that they are sex educators or porn workers or feminist porn producers porn actors and stuff like that so they it's basically very autobiographical in nature also where they talk where they talk and it's it's obviously like i think it like um, it's not it's from the states i think so even like it's a little culturally distant but i think the important points that it makes is ke instead of shaming people people like it should be seen to ke there is there are proper working conditions a mm-hmm. for porn workers there are dignified working conditions and that they're not exploited so instead of criminalizing such work or instead mm-hmm. of making such work as taboo mm-hmm. it will you, i mean there should be steps to sort of uh, decriminalize it and bring it into sort of the uh, like like under like labor laws or something so that it's considered as any other profession and then people in it can be protected under certain bills and amend so uh, under certain bills and acts so i think that is something that's important it's important to advocate for that it's also very important to advocate for proper media representation of porn workers so how you represent them so obviously like if a like i said if a person acts in a porn movie it doesn't mean that she wants to have sex all the time it does not mean that so her personality is not like her profession is not her personality so i think mm. it's very important that we distinguish between the two and we give adequate representation and adequate platforms to for these people to have their own voices and pass the mic to them i don't think i i think it's about time where we stopped speaking for them and let them speak for themselves um there was also this one thing uh where this in this essay um there was uh, there's this uh, uh porn actor her stage name is cinnamon love so she mm-hmm. says that uh, when people ask me that uh, is there exploit so is in the porn industry very exploitative or matlab bahut kaam karta hai na all that mm-hmm. so she says yes it is but then again it's as exploitative as any other industry so it doesn't mean that you abolish the industry in itself Hmm. but you sort of and 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 she said she agrees she's like there's a lot of sexism there's a lot of racism and i mean in india casteism that comes into play but hmm. that doesn't mean that you do away with the industry as a whole that just means that you sort of uh, like make room for more sensitivity and you make room for more nuance so and 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 you make room for more empathy towards these people who are discriminated against whatever meaning that porn has intended so even if it's a uh, really sexist porn uh, like an audience studies perspective suggests that we can actively disidentify dis- from it and still be critical of the oppressive systems and the conditions that have produced them and encourage like non normative readings so if we think that this is something that works for us we can we can still disidentify with its politics but we can still you know sort of allow ourselves to sort of consume it so that's something i mean it's a very contentious thing to say hmm. but i think that's something that yeah yeah it's interesting i think that's a great okay. note to end on uh thank hmm. you so much divyani for uh coming uh on our podcast and i personally learned a lot honestly i'm not just saying it i completely forgot that we were recording and it felt like a <laughs> candid chat and i um it, you actually made me question a lot of things i thank you so much and it was great fun thank you for giving me such a such an interesting conversation i think uh, i think i i like i took off from a lot of what you actually said
like all your like all the pop culture references no it's very true like i think uh, it's very important to sort of have these discussions and uh, have these discussions within feminist circles because this is the place where we are like you know where we get called out the most because <laughs> obviously like yeah it's true like i think it's very important to have these discussions and uh, you know like sort of uh, work like uh, take take off take off on each other's work and you know unlearn what we know everything Absolutely I think we definitely would want to have you over again. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for joining us. See you in the next episode of the Mahila Collective.